ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special Sunday night Voice of Reason. My name is Andy Van Beber. I am joined, as you see there, by that handsome man, Travis Kirkendall. We are without our fearless leader tonight because he is currently producing an MMA fight. And apparently he just sent us a text saying that there are two nine-year-olds fighting, so oh, to be a flog... <laughs> that has got a lot of money on the line here. So <laughs> the, no. we're betting the over we're betting the over under on the uh on the on the shorter nine year old, I guess. I don't know. Um but no, we we are doing this. Uh we are gonna be broadcasting this again live or we'll, we'll be broadcasting it tomorrow night uh at our normal time, but we have, you know, as as a as a father of a of, of an eleven year old who starts her basketball season tomorrow and I think Sean had relatives or family or something coming in. And so Travis is actually the one who has the normal schedule this week. And, you know, he's the, he's the only one that can be, you know, normal. Yeah, I, I, I almost had to work today. Uh, thank God we finished all of our work yesterday. So it's worked out perfect. Yeah, I saw your, I saw the, I saw your thing yesterday. You were, I was like, but that's, that's all overtime money though, right? Oh yeah, eight hours double, uh, eight hours time and a half, and then we got four hours double time. Nice, 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 nice. For a long day, but it was yeah, it was worth it. Yeah, so the party will be at Travis's house next week. So, yeah, I wish. <laughs> so anyway, I wish, man. How is so? We can't say actually. How is your weekend? We can say how's your weekend going right now. Oh, it's good. We uh. We took our, our dog to um, our trainers. They were doing some event at a pet store down in Naperville, mm-hmm. and they were doing some promo, and they invited us down. And it was like a place where dogs can come in their costumes and get pictures taken, and they gave us, like, goodie bags and stuff. And it was really good. Our, our pup had a lot of fun. He was how big is your So how, is, how big is your dog getting now? Uh, he, is, he was 32 pounds on Saturday. We, we, they had to take him to the vet. Um, just to get a full wow. check up. But yeah, he's 32 pounds now. Five weeks. He's going to be a big boy. Or five, not five weeks. Five, five months. Mo- I was going to say, five weeks, Judas Priest is going to be a big dog. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. He's, he's five months old. Already 30-something pounds. And he'll probably get up to 85, 90. Oh, man. Um, but he had a blast. It's it's funny, though. It's like we're, we've been taking him places and introducing him to just get him accustomed to being around people and... And man, he just stresses himself. Out. I mean, he's just his eyes get all red, his blood pressure's through the roof. He's like breathing all heavy, just he's like seeing all you these. Know, you ever seen that video of like Hitler when he was like uh, all messed out, like doing this like at the Olympics? Yes, That's my dog on a leash. Yes, yes. Like, oh man, like sit down, chill. <laughs> um, but it was a lot. We had a lot, of, a lot of fun. It was a good time. My dog is actually getting to the one-year-old mark. Uh, November the 11th will be one year old. And, uh, the, the guy who, the, my buddy who breeded him, he actually came by on, uh, Friday night and he's like, so did you, and he looked and he's like, man, he's looking good. He's, did you get him fixed yet? And I was like, yeah, he's already fixed. He's like, oh, you know, because he's like, he's, I mean, he's you wanted to breed him. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's really good material. And I was like, to me, I just think the dog's a moron, but I mean, he's still a pup yet. And I mean, anything that, you know. Anything that is uh, can be ripped up will get torn up, you know. But 
Anyway, but no, Sean wanted to be with us tonight, but he, like we said, he will be, well, we're still trying to figure out what next week, you know, maybe we'll have our special Halloween show or something, you know, next week after I, after I, yeah, so you got really soft there for a second, Travis. Can you hear me? Yeah, not very loud. How about now? No, you're still really soft. All right, give me one second. Yeah, but... Press something. Go ahead. But we were... Next week... So where we live at, the neighborhood that we live at in Louisiana... So this is called... Where I live at is in the... They call... We're actually outside of Louisiana. But all of Louisiana comes to this neighborhood. And so I'm used to... I'm used to in Pittsfield. So where we're at... Where I was at in Pittsfield, we were on a dead-end street. And we would get maybe... We would get maybe three, you know, we'd go through about a one pound, two pound bags of uh, candy. So last year we went through nine two pound bags of candy last year. Oh. Yeah. So you're still really soft though, Travis. I don't know what I'm going to do to bump you up, but plan B. Plan B. But we, we, we went through a lot we went through a lot of candy last year. And so on our way home today the kids were like, So when are you gonna buy so when are you gonna get um candy, Dad? And I'm like, Well, you know, I, I'm not I'm not sure yet, son. And he he's just, you know. So anyway, we're 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 definitely Oh, he says he Reed says, our buddy Reed says you sound good on his on that side. So it must it must just be me. So if you, no, I can't hear him at all now. But I can't hear you. Oh, he's muted. You're still muted. You're still muted. Anyway, the beauty of the joy of live podcasting, everyone. But anyway. So this is going to be this year. We're going to be prepared. We're going to have the we're going to have the fireplace out front or the fire pit out front and everything. So you're still you're still muted. I still have you muted. How about now? Oh, perfect. There you go. Thank you're God. All there right. you go. There you go. But anyway, uh. <laughs> so the uh, this week's topic, we uh, and we're we're not really. I'm not going to say we're spitballing or anything like that. But we are definitely, we are definitely, we definitely want to look at something that was said last week. And, and we, we like these, you know, between, we're, we're never going to run out of material as long as Donald Trump and Joe Biden are both alive. I've come to that conclusion. No. With this podcast, we're never going to run out of, uh, of, of any material as long as those two are still alive. So, but, you know, between just uh, I, I I was still two what was it two weeks ago that Joe Biden said at a car factory let me just start out with three were or two words made in America yes. <laughs> and I wanted to say let me start out with two words Judas H priest just <laughs> it was but no our our good friend Marjorie Taylor Green uh, who is who likes to what's the word I want to say flirt with the, the phrase of, uh, of insanity of sanity maybe is the right word to say, 
But uh, yeah, so yeah, so last week, so last week, this was at a Trump rally in Mesa, Arizona. Um, we'll play a little bit of clip of this, and and uh, we'll go from there. Joe Biden's five million illegal aliens are on the verge of replacing you, replacing your jobs, and replacing your kids in school. And coming from all over the world, they're also replacing your culture. And that's not great for America. And so, I, you, this is not something that is new. The, rep the, the white no. replacement theory, and, and Travis, you jump anytime, but the, the origin of white replacement theory has been around for ages, okay? It has been around since, I mean, it was, Hitler used a form of it in Nazi Germany, um, but it was, Hillary? you know, yeah, yeah. So, and then you had 1973. So 1973, there was a French author, I can't think of his name, but he wrote this, he wrote this book and it was widely accepted by your clan members, your white supremacist groups, all this stuff. And at the time Europe was going through a, they had a lot of, um, not, I guess you could say refugees, because there was that was kind of the beginning of the war in the Middle East, kind of the fighting in Afghanistan and the fighting that was going on between Iran and Iraq. And a lot of those people were moving. They were basically running for their lives, and they were moving into uh, Western Europe. And so this guy develops this theory that, you know, gov world governments are trying to replace white citizenship with, uh, you know, with whatever race. And so in that statement by Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, it, I don't know. It, it, to me, it's, it's just, it's insane. It's insane. I, what, what were your, what were your thoughts on that, Travis? I mean, my initial thoughts, I mean, we've, so we've, kind of touched on this and i was asking you before like did we do a full episode on this and i, I think we just touched on it mm -hmm. tucker carlson we made comments before about how the biden administration was recruiting not recruiting but bringing in all these immigrants to change the voting demographics to favor dem the democrats and we kind of touched on the replacement theory there and then now we're seeing this at a trump rally and people are Obviously, well, there these was people no, on the far right are getting behind this. If you guys, and, were, if you would, I mean, people weren't even responding to that when she was really saying it. I was just wondering how much people were actually listening to her. I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, I, we've uh, we've watched Trump rallies before, getting ready for podcasts, and the people usually are really into it. So I don't know how much the crowd was buying it, but I will say this is, like you said, this isn't something new. Mm -mm. I grew up hearing about this kind of thing. Like we were, you and I were talking before the show. There was, uh, you said it was 2007, 2008. 2000, uh, I can look that up, but I think it was 2007, but, 2008, something like that. But while you look that up, I remember as a kid hearing about this, people saying that based off of what this report was at the time, people were saying, oh, the 
the whites are going to be the minority now. We're the minority. Like, what's going to happen? I, I, this sounds ridiculous, and it is ridiculous. But it was um, – I remember it was a legitimate concern for a lot of people at the time. And not – honest to God, I remember, I remember this as a kid. And it just blows my mind that that even happened. And, and now here we are hearing about it at Trump rallies. This pretty much the same thing. Um, 2016, 2016 um, was the first time that whites were in the minority in Georgia. And that was, and then, so in the last census. But this was prior to that. Yeah. The, so in the last census, and this is, so you have to think about Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. My family, I, I, there's a portion of my family that, lives in the in the suburbs of Atlanta, okay? And they grew up there during the 70s and Atlanta was you have to think about Atlanta, you have to think about Georgia being the hotbed of redneckism if you will. But, you know, and now in the 20 so I'm just reading this off the fly here. So, um Atlanta's population in the 2020 census has grown by 71,000. Uh, only, only new white residents accounted for just over 50% of them. 23% were Hispanic or Asian. 9% of the city's new Af were African Americans. So now, by their numbers, there are more immigrants in immig people of immigrant of foreign nationalities in the Atlanta area. Then there are white or black. And a lot of that is attributed to the, I don't remember what industry it is, but uh, for some odd reason, I want to think it's microchip or something like that. But there's a lot of new industry in, in, in Atlanta is an international hub for all the airlines. And that's true. Yeah. And it, it totally blow. I think it blew people away, you know, Oh my goodness, whites are in whites are in the minority. Oh my goodness. And so this fuels this whole this whole rage on on uh, on this replacement theory. And like you said, this is not I mean, I remember and Travis and I like you said, we were talking about this and I can't remember what the story that wasn't you're right. I don't think that was the story, but it was something else that had happened. It may have been in California or something like that, but it may have been like the two. I, now that I think about it, it was probably the 2010 census when it came out, and it was saying like like white minority whites were becoming the minority. And you know, I I have a hard time wrapping my mind around why why people have an issue with that. I mean, so go ahead. I will. I will. I understand one point. I understand people not being okay with immigrants getting the right to vote. I totally agree with that. You should earn your citizenship and then you can vote. Totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. I don't, but that being said, the whole idea of, well, a political party changing that whole thing with Tucker Carlson, I call BS on it. Mm -hmm. I, I really do call BS on it. And the whole idea of not only just the voting in general, but, I remember too. People were like, "Oh my God, they're going to take our, our we're going to lose our jobs. We're going to get replaced, and all this stuff." This is legit stuff I heard growing up. 
And I think I touched on this in the immigration thing, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm no macroeconomics expert here, but if you go on Indeed, you go on ZipRecruiter, all these websites, thousands of jobs posted, thousands of jobs. You go down any damn Main Street in the U.S., help wanted signs right. everywhere. Right. So that being said, I can't see how more people in our workforce, regardless of whatever race, culture, whatever they are, I can't see how that's a negative thing for America. Again, I'm not an economics major, but I feel like more people working and contributing to society and investing in the economy and buying goods would be a good thing instead of small businesses calling it now because they can't find workers. So right off the bat, the whole idea of we're going to lose our jobs, I call complete bullshit on that. That's just my opinion. I don't have stats to back the other day and just go on Indeed and look at all the jobs posted. Well, if we're looking right you now, you're going to say something. Well, no, I'm. I'm just right now. I'm looking at the at the September uh, report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. I just pulled up here, and so right now unemployment is. I mean, unemployment has been around four percent now. It looks like since it's been between four and it's six. Pretty consistent. For it's a while, been right? it's been, for a while. It's been it's been four to six percent. But what is even more alarming is when you look at the job, the labor shortage numbers. You know, when you're looking at some of these numbers, let's see, it's, um, holy cow, this is, this is way, way over my, but there's a lot of, you know, we're talking millions of, you know, I was, I was talking to, um, oh, who was it this morning? I was talking to somebody at church this morning. And they said they went by a Taco Bell this week, a Taco Bell in Quincy. Now, we're not talking, Quincy is a town of close to 40,000, 40, 50,000 people. And they were going through there. They walked in during the lunch hour. And these people were telling me, they said, there were literally two people working. I said, Do you, yeah. could you not, was there somebody, she's like, no. We stood in line for a while. There was one person working the front and there was one person working the back. And so when they have this argument of saying that immigrants are taking our jobs, what what job what job are they taking? And it's not even fast food. Like trades are hurting trades. big time. But um, like, I mean real professions like welders yeah welder welders welders are the the one of the highest demand jobs right now uh construction you know i've told many times we need to have my buddy on glenn lester who i used to be in the dj business with but he's a he's a he's a a framer he's like they, they they can't keep some of these young pups on for more than two or three weeks you know he's he's worked he's worked in the same job now for well, he he was working up at Dot Foods, and I think it's been close to ten years ago that he went back to framing. And he's been and you know, there's only about two or three guys that are on that have been on the crew with him the whole time. Everybody else is just they're just they're in and out, in and out, in and out. And so when I hear Marjorie Taylor Greene say something like, "They're replacing your kids in school. They're replacing your kids here. They're replacing." I don't. How are they? The, the, all right, that, let's start there. 
replacing your kids in school. What does that even mean? Exactly. Like, what, what are kids you? are going to get kicked out of school? Like, well, what, what is that? That's like fear mongering. Yeah. That, 100% right there to me. There's, well, I don't see. Is there any stats to back that? Like, does this make any sense? No. I, well, and see. What's the right there? Yeah, you got muffled again on me there too, Travis. I don't know what happened there, but what what their what the argument is behind, and you you hit the you hit the nail right on the head. First of all, it's fear mongering. Okay, what are we appealing to? Who who? When I I, I actually I was looking through my Facebook memories the other day, and I had posted a uh, um, it was about this time. You know, during election season in 2016, and it says, and it said, memorandum to candidates: Please stop talking about each other. Please stop pandering to the lowest denominator, and tell us why you're the person for the job. And now, you know, now here we are, six years later, and we've amplified that so much more. You know, I look at with, with when it was Hillary. And it, when it was Donald, okay, it was about Hillary saying, here's how Donald is not qualified for the job. And it was Donald saying, Hillary's a crook and should be in jail. Mm-hmm. And so now we've gone a step further then. We've now, and now instead of talking about the issues, now we're, okay, what can we drum up even more? Well, look at what Joe Biden has done. He's let these five, and, and then that number. Five million immigrants into the country. Okay. And I just read, and I just read that stat from, you know, 70, like the population of Atlanta, 70,000% more people or 70,000 more people moved into Atlanta in the last 10 years. And of that 50% were white, 23%. Okay. So it's not like we're being overrun, you know, I'm curious, can, real quick, can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're good now. Okay. Uh, I'm curious that number, 5 million, did they just take the total m- number of immigration, including legals, and it just had to be. To get some ridiculous number? Because I, I just, I, I would be surprised if that was the case. That's why I was asking. Well. I don't know. But, the, the, so, all right. So, she says the, they're going to replace your kids. What was the other? What did she say after that? The job. She said they're going to replace you in your job. They're going to replace you. They're going to replace our. And then she says we're going. They're going to replace our culture. You know. All right, that right there. I was thinking about that statement today. What is American culture? I to me, and I I think this is. I feel like this is such common sense, but I guess it's not. No, it is. I don't see America as a single color or a single race. Like our culture is one of many. I, well, there's it, no right. The history of the U.S. is we're all immigrants. This country was made of immigrants. Immigrants built the skyscrapers. Immigrants have done, have made this country what it is. All our families were originally Im- immigrated here, and the, that idea of. They're threatening our culture. I don't. Well, what is American culture? Because to, to me, our culture is a lot of cultures being able to come together and live here in peace, freedom, have opportunity, and live good lives. People come here because America is supposed to be this beacon of hope, a place where hey, I can 
pick the job I want to pick. I can, I can walk to the store without wearing a headdress and not getting my hands chopped off. Like right. that's legitimate stuff that happens around the world. And one of our that statement just one of our listeners so just mad. just echoed what you said. Reed Reed Lefebvre, thanks for listening tonight. Reed Reed says the beauty of American culture is freedom to do what you want, no matter what that is. Yes, and that is that is one hundred percent true. So. I want to rewind just a little bit. If if so, when we go back to nineteen, let's go nineteen seventeen. Nineteen seventeen, the Russian Revolution occurred in the Communist Revolution occurred in Russia. Okay, and oh, yeah. at that time, and I mean literally overnight, literally overnight, uh, a communist regime took over, and and and. Chain up, turned everything upside down in Russia, and so that fear began to spread here. Well, if it can happen there, it can happen here. So then right we scare, had the right? and communism was peaking interest all throughout Eastern Europe, and so Americans began to become very selective of who we were in this country. Um, there were various uh, the Immigration Restriction League is one that's coming to my mind right now, which was led by. Many prominent business leaders, one of which Henry Henry Ford was was a member of the Immigration Restriction League. He was on top of being very anti-Semitic anyway, but he was. The idea was, um, and I don't want to say, I know it's not eugenics, isn't the word? Maybe it is eugenics, the word that I'm wanting to use. But basically, the science that people of a lesser breed and people of this lesser uh, culture were coming and they were coming to our shore. So, and so this immigration restriction league, they, they had, like I said, a lot of powerful people were in this. And so they start pressuring Congress into, okay, we need to, uh, we need to institute immigration quotas. We need to in, in, institute a literacy test that if they can't read their own, and it wasn't reading the English language. It was if they couldn't read the language of their own from their home country. And what that was aimed at is all these, you know, these poor nations that didn't have public education. And so in the heat of all this, Woodrow Wilson was trying to dodge all these bullets because he knew Woodrow Wilson was a smart politician because he knew where a lot of his votes were coming from, were, were from these new immigrants and everything. And he was trying to dodge these bullets. And then they had... Um, uh, out in and so in California, the California legislature in that same time also passed uh, the Chinese. Uh, what was it called? There was a Chinese Restriction Act, and it limited the amount of Chinese that were coming into this country. And so, this idea then, once people got here, then you had these different uh, reform movements within our country that was saying, "Okay, we're going to start this," and it was called an, basically an Americanization movement. Forget your, you know, you're here now. Now you need to learn how to speak English. You need to forget your culture. You need to forget how to, you know, the foods that you, you know, and I'm, I look at the shirt that you're wearing tonight, Travis, you know, Venezuelan food, okay? And we're going to try to, we're, we're trying to totally make you forget everything that you've already learned, that you already know. And so now fast forward. Okay, so here we are again. And again, we see this whole replacement theory. And I, and I, I brought up this interesting article. And this is from uh, a couple of years ago. So this was when the Great Replacement was making its 
raising his head again. And it says, um, this, this, uh, this, one of the big documents out there is called the great replacement. It's the new thing that's out there. And it's, it says it's the birth rates. And this guy says, um, you will, you will not replace us behind. And basically this article goes on and says behind the idea is a racist conspiracy theory known as a replacement theory, which was popular popularized by a right wing French philosopher, which I mentioned before. This is an extension of the colonist colonist theory. It is predicated on the notion that white women are not having enough children and that falling birth rates will lead to white people around the world being replaced by non-white people. So this isn't just an American thing. This is a this is a worldwide thing. Okay. Uh, for, and then this guy goes on to say in his, in his argument for people in the white power movement, everything is framed through re- reproduction and gender. And this, and these far right groups have grown across the world. Many of their members have insisted that the most pressing concern is falling birth rates. That concern, which they see as an ex- existential threat has led to arguments about how women are working instead of raising families. Okay. So not only are they terrified of immigrants coming into this country, it's that them women need to be in the, in the kitchen making sandwiches and making babies. So, <laughs> yeah, oh, and by the way, Reed does say, yes, Cassie, thank you for listening. And we do want to listen. We do want to welcome baby Richard Reed and R- Richard, Richard Reed, Richard Lefave into the world who is listening to the, we'll try to keep our language down so Richard doesn't get his ears polluted this evening too, guys. But the idea behind a lot of this, you know, that maybe it's this issue and idea that you have some white men who feel like they're being outnumbered. I don't know. I don't know if that's a white right way of saying it. But they're like in a weaker position because, you know, them women ain't doing the job wanna, they're supposed to be doing reproducing and we need to get, you know, I, to me it's... I want to ask you something. Okay. And I, I don't, maybe I'm getting a little controversial, but I, I am ahead. curious. Do you think, let's go on religion here. Okay. America if, is, would you agree that America is mostly based off of Christian values Based off of at the time it was created and the at constitution the time it was, was written. At the time the constitution was written, yes. Yes. Now okay. no. Do you think okay, so you don't think the Christian values that this country was based off of has what am I trying to ask this? Because now we're obviously there's multiple religions that are a big part of this country now. Do you think that there's any and you think that has a part of the problem, like as far as the whole replacement theory? Do you think that is involved at all? I, I don't know I, how to I, ask that I, question, but I, no, I think, I think you, you know, know what I'm trying to ask. the The whole idea, the whole idea behind nationalism is this: nationalism is extreme pride in one's country. There's nothing wrong with having pride in your nation. I mean, you you and Sean both served with, you know, honorably in, in the military. You guys did your term. Sean's still in the guard. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong. I mean, I, I fly an American flag out front because I'm proud to say that I I still believe that I live in, in one of the greatest nations on the face of the earth. I will never deny that. I'm, I'm glad to say that I'm blessed to where I live. 
But yet you have people who take it a step further. America first now, forever and always kind of mentality. Uh, part of that is, you know, I, I have a hard time with people who have the, you know, whatever, you know, God, guns, and country signs in their front yard. You know, we have... That's the kind of the line I was getting at. You know, and well, to me, there's... Christians, Christians have taken... Christians have taken the Bible, they have taken Christianity, and they've made it into something that will fit into the American box. And my brother and I have this mm. discussion a lot. He and I have a lot of deep discussions like this. But to not to go into too, delve too deep down this rabbit hole, but to say, when you look at what, and what, what Christ called his people, his church to do, it wasn't to fight for the soul of a nation. It was to fight for the soul of the people of that nation. And you say, well, that's the same thing. Not necessarily. You know, you say, well, when you're pushing for Christian value, you're, when you push for Christian values, you're pushing for America. No, when I'm pushing for Christian values, I'm pushing for Christian values. You know, America started out as a Christian nation, yes. But... We have we we've taken that and we've we've perverted it, we've bastardized it, we've made it into this whole new thing of saying, okay, well, you know, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to, you know, God, guns, and country, but man, I could sure use me some some stuff from Pornhub and see me a little chick on chick action there. <laughs> oh, okay, you you okay, so you just took two things there that have no business being together. You have these guys who are. And, and maybe I'll stomp on some toes when I say this. But if you want to have a country uh, and use that term Christian values, okay, then you have to, you can't just apply it to God, guns, and country, and we put our hands over our heart and salute ourselves, you know. And yeah, Cassie, now we got Cassie on now. Reed, you got outvoted. Cassie says, I think those who project their own selfish, judgmental needs and opinions as Christianity give others a reason to be angry and blame religion. 100%. And that is the issue. Okay? So, so then, so now Christianity gets thrown in with this whole nationalist movement. And. Because I, yeah, I see the two not directly connected, but. At the same time, I do see a connection in a way well, from there, the outside looking in. There is because we are afraid. They they definitely are tied together, Travis. Because okay, when we see other, we're not just seeing other nations. We're not we're not other just seeing other nationalities coming in. We're seeing their and and this is what Marjorie Taylor Greene said in her statement. We're seeing their culture come in, and that bothers people. Because when you say we're bringing in their culture, what's included in culture? Number one thing, religion. Okay, and we don't want we don't want we don't want, we don't want that in our schools. You know, we don't we don't want that in our schools, and we don't want that being taught and blah 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 blah. You know, I want, and I've said this I've said this many many times. Okay. 
I in my and you you had me for ancient Civ, so you know this for a fact because you were you were in my you by the way Travis holds the distinction of being in my smallest class that I ever had I ever taught with three people in it so it was amazing but it we had a lot of great discussions in that class we did yeah, yeah we, we did absolutely when, and when 2023 rolls around we're going to bring in the I'm going to bring the box in that you guys we made a time capsule and and you sign your name on the top of it. we're going to open that up next year. But anyway, oh, nice. I want to be there for that. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I, I so I cover the major five religions in my ancient Civ class. We cover we cover Judaism, we cover Christianity, we cover Islam, we cover Hinduism, and we cover Buddhism. Those are the big five. Okay, and I and I whenever I whenever I teach this in my classroom, I always I always preface this by saying, I want my children to know everything about every other religion. I want my kids to know about the Big Bang Theory. I want my kids to know about um, evolution because that way they're educated. Okay. Mm. What I, and I don't, I don't push my values on my children. I live my values in front of my children. I don't say you're, you're going to be a Christian and that's the end of it. That's not religion. That's not faith. That's, that's being force fed into something. And so, and I, and I went, and I went a long way around to get to this point, to get back to what you were saying. So now when, when, when we, the white God fearing nation are, are being quote unquote threatened by outside faith, things that are strange, people doing strange things, Oh my goodness, we have to we have to change. We have to keep our nation Christian. Our nation quit being Christian. Oh, I think it's safe to say around 1940s, 1950s. You know, when the boys started coming back home from the war and they started bringing back all the things that they saw and then, you know, and then the hippies and everything else in the 60s and the 70s and the drug culture and everything else, you know, we stopped being a Christian nation back then. So holding on to this outdated dogma that we are a Christian nation and we have to protect ourselves from the foreign devils is outdated. I mean, we can't, yes. we can't continue to operate under this, underneath this. Now, as Christians, and, I'll, and, I, and again, I may be getting off topic with this. This is my standpoint as a Christian. Okay. And the contra- you want to talk about controversy? I'll make the here. Here's my controversial statement for the evening, Travis. I do go. not support gay marriage. Right. I do not support the LGBTQ community. I do not support trans. You know the whole transgender thing. But do I condemn those people? Do I hate those people? Do I want to be a? No. I do not, because. That's not what Jesus would have done. Because who did Jesus hang out with? Jesus hung out with hookers, tax collectors, lepers, the dregs of society. And he loved them and he developed a relationship with them. And this whole this whole idea about, you know, that Christianity is, you know. You can we, disagree with somebody and still respect them as a human yes, being. Yes. And so but you know, I don't, Reed says, I don't disagree that America has to defend itself, but I don't think religion plays into it. And not, you're right, not as much, you know, 
there, but this is this is this is the thing that Mar going back to Marjorie Taylor Greene. We went all the way around this. I want to bring this back to her. So, what what these guys are playing on? And I I heard I heard one of the guys on the January sixth committee bring this point out, and it was an excellent point. I don't agree with everything the January sixth committee is doing, but they're doing, but they are doing some good things. And one of the things that this guy said, and this was a Republican that said this, he said, not all, not all of the people, not all Trump supporters are these, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene types. But what, what Marjorie Taylor Greene has done and what Donald Trump has done to some people is they've taken well-meaning patriotic Americans, people who love America, people who love the country, people who will stand for the country, and they've taken that loyalty and they've weaponized it with this whole fear mongering and all this other stuff. And, you know, so what are we going to do? We're going to say the election was stolen. We're going to say we're going to use the white replacement theory. We're going to use anything that will drum up fear to generate a vote. I mean, tell what I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, is am I am I off on that point? No, you're right. It's the same thing we were texting earlier. Like this is just the left and the right are just feeling off each other in their, their statements. And here's what's what really frustrates me with the Republican Party and just drives me fucking crazy. I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that the Democratic Party's been doing. I don't agree with a lot of the policies. I don't agree with a lot of the, the push for certain things. I'm I'm not for it. Um but the Republicans at the same time to say some stupid stuff like, for example, this this Trump rally thing. It's stuff like that and just the complete like I said, we've talked about this before, just to complete them farther further they keep separating. It's like I don't agree with this side, but God, this side's going way too far that way. And it's like, no, like you guys are shooting yourselves in the foot, not Trying to just, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, there's no middle ground. And I know I'm, we've said this over and over again, but <laughs> I feel like there is just no more common sense in politics. And it's not about what the people actually want, but what does the party want? What is this? We're going to appeal to what these certain small individual voters want. And well, let's, I let, don't know. let's go. Let me, so I, I pulled up in, um, uh, one group that really is fighting pretty much for, if you haven't the anti-defamation league which was actually founded um back in the early 1900s that was originally formed to protect jewish immigrants and everything and act to, in this very thing protecting people against racial hatred and the anti-defamation league was formed and in the study that they did on uh, on the replacement theory um, and they just, they actually give some examples of people who've used this within the last couple of years. Obviously, um, you had U.S. Representative Steve King, uh, who said, we can't restore our civilization with someone else's babies. We had Tucker Carlson, and this was this earlier this year, who said that the Democratic Party is attempting to replace the current electorate with third world voters. Okay. Um, let me find some other ones here. 2000, April, 2019. Hein, uh, no, that one, that's, uh, let me find here. Okay. In March, 2017, GOP congressman from Iowa. Yeah. We said Steve Green or Steve King. He also said, um, 
he tweeted his support for Geert Wilders, a well-known anti-immigration activist, who said, and this is what Steve King said, Wilders understands that culture and demographics are our destiny. We can't restore our civilization with someone else's babies. That was the full quote. Um, con- oh, our favorite, Congressman Matt Getz. We love Matt <laughs> Getz. Yes, the greaseball pervert, you know. But he said, uh, claimed that an attempted cultural genocide was occurring in the United States and that the left wanted to replace America. Um, the Ingram, <laughs> October 2008, Laura, Laura, Laura Ingram, your views on immigration will have zero impact and zero influence on a house dominated by Democrats who want to replace you, the American voters, with newly amnestied citizens and an ever-increasing number of chain migrants. Um, Jeannie Perrier, uh oh, this is Judge, uh, Judge Janine. Uh, she says, think about it. It's a plot to remake America, to replace American citizens with illegals that will vote for Democrats. Okay. And, and that I mean, statement the, right there. It's on and on we and already, on. The whole illegals, we already addressed this. I, I think you and I both agree you should be a legal citizen to vote. You should go right. through the process. Right. Which, by the way, I know we've said it a million times. I'll say it again. People who don't know, it's no easy process becoming a U.S. citizen. It's no. not that cut and dry. No. No. It's uh, it's a struggle. Um, and one thing I do want to address this episode, we're not denying, there is no denying that, yes, the white population in the U.S. is dropping. It's, I looked at multiple sources. All the percentages are a little bit different, but they all pretty much say the same thing. Like one here, the white share of the U.S. population has been dropping from a little under 90% in 1950 mm-hmm. to 60% in 2018 and will likely drop below 50% in another 25 years. There's no denying that. They're taking these statistics and they're building a narrative around it is what I see. Yeah. Oh, that's so exactly just, what they're doing. Yeah. So, I mean, do I think that a declining white population in the United States is a bad thing? Absolutely not. Because, again – I don't see America as a color or a race or a certain religion. It's I, we're a collective mm-hmm. that the idea is we live in peace. They say, you know, to, they call America the greatest human experiment for a reason. Yeah. I think. And, and something, I want to go back to something that, that Cassie said on our, on our, on our message board earlier was, um, you know, everybody wanted to say melting pot back in the day. You know, yes, that was, you know, that was, that was almost politically incorrect. But now you want to say, I mean, calling it the, uh, well, what's the, we use the term now, it's called the, the great American salad bowl because we have so much. <laughs> I've heard that one before. Yeah. We have, because we have a lot of flavor in this country, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't, you can't just go on and say, we are a white and unless you are here, here's my thing. Unless you have 100% Native American blood, we, we would be a bunch of hypocrites to say, immigrants, you go home. <laughs> because somewhere, Chief Sitting Bull's bones are saying, hey, you go home too. Okay, because it was because of you whiteies coming along <laughs> that I, I lost all my land, you know. And we we're the ones who are writing the history book. And so we can be, we can be selective by what we want to say about white America. 
you know, America isn't about a specific well, race. It, it's just, I think it, it's good. Go ahead. A good point to add too. I think there's a lot of people. The only America they've ever seen is a white America. Well, yeah. Going off, you know, the whole my hometown, like what you guys talked yeah. about, and then yeah. even Sean and I growing up. I mean, some people they've never left that area, and that's all they know. And so, it, I could see how this narrative really attracts those kind of people because that's all they know, and it's it scares the hell out of them until you know you actually travel a little bit and you realize just how bigger the world actually is. I, I'll tell you the strength, the the scariest thing. To put myself in an immigrant's place, and it's, it's hard for me to, to, to do, but so when we went to adopt Briley and we spent, we spent four days in Beijing and then we went to Chongqing. Now, when we were in Beijing, we saw our fair share of white people, okay, because Beijing is more of an international city. When right. we went to Chongqing, so we traveled into the interior. Chongqing sits in central China. Um, it is Chongqing, the city itself, is as wide as Austria, just to give you some perspective. Okay. It literally takes you four hours to get from one side of the city to the other. Okay. And the west side of the city sits at the foothills of the Himalayas. And that's where Briley was from. So we stay, we actually stayed in the center of the city. Okay, and our guy, our guy told us, okay, you're going to get a lot of stares because we don't get a lot of white people around here. I'm like, okay, whatever. And so when we, you know, he picked us up at the airport and then he starts taking us around town. And he was right. We, I mean, Janine and I felt like the only white people in a town of over 40 million people. Okay. And, and I was just, I was nervous and Janine, we were nervous and I, it was kind of funny because we were in a grocery store one night and it was the night before we got Briley and, uh, we had, we went in there, we were going to get baby formula, we were going to get diapers and the whole nine yards and we're walking around and I'm just hearing, I'm hearing Chinese being spoken everywhere. And Janine was the next aisle over and I just, I just, I was so overwhelmed with everything. I just said, man, I really got to poop. I could really take a crap right now. And Janine's like, shh, stop it. Don't, don't say that. Stop it. And I'm like, who's going to, who, who knows what I'm saying? You know? And so when people look at, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm that guy, but I'm, you know, I, th- I think, I think people don't understand that foreigners aren't coming here to take over. Foreigners are coming here for a second chance at life. You know, you look at, you look at your, your wife's family, your wife, your, I mean, escaping a hellhole like Venezuela, not Venezuela isn't a hellhole because it's a bad country. It's because it's under terrible leadership, you know, and she came here for a second chance when we have, you know, we're, you know, and I'm not saying this to be braggadocious, but we brought our children here to have i mean you know bryson and briley were both abandoned why because they were looked at as second-rate people because they had a disability and they're being brought yeah, here to have a, yeah 
think of the life they could have had you guys not right. adopted them. Like, can you, do you ever think about that? Like, just imagine, like, oh my God, where would they be had we not went? Does that does that ever thought ever cross your mind? Yeah. It has. Well, to, right? and I and I'll tell you this much: we still get so we get newsletters from um, Briley's orphanage, and uh, it's hard for me to talk about this. But um, so we got Briley ten years ago. It'll be 10 years mm-hmm. ago this October, this November, we got her. And um, there was this, there was this uh, Chinese child there with Down syndrome. And uh, she was, I'd say she was five or six at the time. And she followed us. And they hadn't turned, this was in November, and they hadn't turned the heat on. The, the government hadn't allowed, this tells you what China was like. They hadn't, the government haven't, hadn't given them their shipment of coal to turn on the furnace in the orphanage yet. And so these kids are going around in jackets and everything, and this 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 uh, this this uh, Down syndrome child, who was just as kind and loving and just, and I we just, I just started playing with her, and she followed, and she and she followed. She said she kept on saying something to me, and, I, and the interpreter would talk back at her. And I said, "What what is she saying?" She said, "Uncle, come back and play with me." Uncle, come mm-hmm. back. And, and so we got a newsletter here. It's been a couple of years ago. So it's been, you know, eight years removed. And I was looking through the newsletter and I, I saw that, that girl. I saw that girl in that picture. And what's bad is at age 14, they age those kids out of the, or at age 14, they age those kids out. They give them a certain amount of money and they basically just push them out the door and say, good luck. Jesus Christ. And so, and so I, I know beyond that child was older than Briley. And so I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that unless a miracle of God happened and that child got adopted, that she's on the street somewhere in Chongqing. Okay. This is, you know, this is, this is why people come here. Reed, Reed says, I think being an American, being religious and everything has to come down to being one important thing. Be a decent human being. Exactly right, Reed. If everyone on all sides was focused on just being a decent human and treating everyone equally, the world would be a lot better. I agree. And 100%. 100% this, agree this with is, that. This is where, and are we, li- and I'll ask you this. Mm-hmm. Do you think people are... And I'm, I'll answer this, I'll answer my own question later, but do you think people are looking at the times that we are in, the hard economic times, the stressful time between us and different races, and we're looking for a scapegoat and the replacement theory provides the boogeyman for us to look at? Do you, I mean, do you see that as a possibility? For most people, no. I think... Your far right people are looking for a scapegoat. Or I think most people see through the BS. I really do. I really think most people are starting to wake up and see this. But I I, I really think it's your your hardcore far right people that are just looking for some reason something because they don't like Biden and the left administration. Well, don't you, and or whatever political motives are there. And you—that's a good point, Travis. The percentage of Americans 
when you look at uh, when you look at polling, the percentage of Americans that are moderate, that are in the middle of the political spectrum, outweigh the people who are on the fringe. But what what really blows my mind is it's the people who are on the fringe who are getting the most attention. And you know what's look and even when we we uh, we didn't talk about it on the podcast, but that Clinton, uh, uh, the Clinton interview that we t- we talked about in our group chat, even he talks about that. He's like both sides are appealing to these mm-hmm. these small. He's oh like, yeah. They got, he's like he's like if the, and he's of course he's he's a Democrat. So he's like oh, look if the Democrats want to win, they need to we need to oh. start appealing to these moderates. We need to start pulling yeah. the moderates in. You, you know, and that and it's. I would have I would have considered it a cold day in hell when I would have agreed with something that Bill Clinton would have said. But when he did that, yeah, interview, I was actually when he did that interview, I was actually kind of blown away. I was too, because and again, so and we've got a few minutes left. But I, I my time machine, I go back to my my freshman year of college at Hannibal Grange. By the way, the 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 bed of conservatism of Northeast Missouri, but <laughs> Bill Clinton was to some people just the straight up has the, had the straight up you know he well he was the Antichrist he was the evil one and we can't let Bill oh my win. God they said that about Clinton well, they thought that Clinton I was just they said that about a, they said that about Obama well, they said too, that about Obama that too you know. But when I look, I look back at Bill Clinton. <laughs> was Bill Clinton the ideal president? No, he had a he was unfaithful to his wife. He had an affair in the White House. He got caught. He literally got caught with his pants down. It'll never uh, not be funny. It, no, and then <laughs> and and then the guys. So then the details of the guy's sex life and his sexual indiscretions are brought out in the Star Report, the Kenneth Star Report published for God and everybody to read in every newspaper around the country. But you look at what the guy did. And the the only time in my lifetime, the only time in my lifetime that we had a balanced federal budget, we had a balanced federal budget. We actually brought in a surplus yeah, and you guys got checks for it, right? And we got checks for it, and and, and of course those checks were issued under George Bush Jr.'s watch, and he took all the credit for it. You know, I right. I, I couldn't stand I couldn't stand Bill Clinton to tell you the truth because I thought I couldn't stand him just for the fact that he was a he was a you know <laughs> you know he was all the stuff that he did with his wife and in the Oval Office and all the stuff with the cigars and blah, blah, blah. but you know. I look at the guy, and I look back at him. He wasn't a terrible president. I look back at George Bush. George Bush, people, the, you know, the left thought George Bush was just, oh, he's a moron, he's an idiot, and he was. George Bush brought us through one of the most terrifying and difficult times in our country's history, outside of outside of the bombing of Pearl Harbor, brought us through 9-11, and you, he, he did something remarkable in the fact that he united us as a, as a country even if it was just for about six or seven months during the time of 9-11, you know, and he led us through these remarks and, and, you know, but the left thought, oh, he's just, he was, he's just a bumbling, fumbling idiot. No, he was a pretty solid president too, you know, 
And then, you know, like you said, Barack Obama, well, he's just, he was a terrible, you know, and I mean, history, yes, read history does repeat itself. You are correct. And so we're now, but now we have, it, what, where I'm afraid we're heading, there's a movie that came out back in the 2000s. It was called uh, Idiocracy. You remember, did you, have you ever heard of that movie? It had, I've heard of it. It, had um, o, Owen, it had Owen Will, or Owen Wilson's brother. I can't think of his name right now. And it had Terry 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 Crews actually played the president and all this other stuff. It is and is like, you know, replacing, you know, we're gonna start watering everything with Gatorade or so I forgot the whole breakdown, but it was it was a I'm thinking, this is where we're headed. Yeah. This is where we're headed. And I'm like, we're going to be in India by 2030. We're going to be living in the times of idiocracy. And we're going to be this nation of morons who don't know how to think for themselves. And we're going to be, let the talking heads to, oh, we just will believe everything you say to us. The generation of critical thinkers are disappearing. And hence why we have this podcast. <laughs> I know I, I usually end the show saying the same damn thing, but really, if you ever hear any politician or somebody say something that's like pretty much fear-mongering or just something outrageous, go home, do research, some research, research, really think about it. Yes. Like, don't just take it from word of mouth. Like, please make educated decisions. <laughs> I feel like I've seen this over no, and over again. But, that, but that's been, that's, but the, see, so that is, and not to toot our own horn and pat ourselves on the back too hard, but this is the basis of our podcast, you know, and there's a lot of people, I mean, we're one of a million podcasts and, you know, we don't have a huge audience, but we have a, we have a faithful audience and we love you guys and we thank you guys. But please share this with other people. Chat, you know, say, hey, you know what? If you're sitting at the, if you're, if you're up at the coffee shop tomorrow morning before you go to work, or if you're retired or you're semi-retired or whatever, you hear the old farts down at the end of the table. Well, did you hear we're, we're being replaced by? Challenge that. I think that's part of the reason. And this is what I was going to re- end with what I was saying here. We, we as the moderate voice. We have a larger voice than what we're given credit for. I would agree with that. And if people, yeah. And if people would start having reasonable conversations and just say, you know, you don't have to be ultra defensive, you know, just say, you know what? I respectfully disagree with your, with your thoughts on that, but we don't want to upset the, we don't want to upset the the fruit cart. And so we, we won't say, yeah, I'm going to call BS on that. Because we don't want to offend anybody. But, you know, our opinion just is one of millions. But, you know, it it goes back to what I said, you know, and and Reed said this in his comment earlier too, you know, part of being a decent human being is having respect for your fellow man, be it white, black, Asian, Hindu, Muslim, whatever. You you don't have to agree with her if they're you know you don't you don't agree with the gay and lesbian lifestyle. Hey, I'm that person. I don't agree with it, but I have a lot of gay friends, and I have a lot of gay family members, and I love them. I love them for who they are. I don't have to agree with their lifestyle. I've known people who've had abortions. Do I condemn those people? Oh, you're a murderer. 
No, because you know what? There's a lot of times those people regret that decision, and I love them through that. I love them in regardless of that. And that's that's what's going to change our society. It's not going to be a politician. It's not going to be a Donald Trump or a Joe Biden or whoever comes up next. It's going to be Nobody's us. coming to save us. We have to save ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, thank you all for joining us tonight. I always worry about how, how shows are going to go, but man alive. And uh, this is what I love to see. I always say this. If you, you guys have been following along with us here, I actually get to post it on the we had a full chat board tonight. I like that. Thank you for being involved. Thank you awesome. for, for being involved in our discussion tonight. Um, we will do an encore presentation of this at our regular broadcast time tomorrow night. So you got time to share with your friends. It will be on tomorrow night at nine o'clock at our regular time. And next week we'll have a little Halloween special. I may be broadcasting from out in the yard, handing out candies to little delinquents out in my yard, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll do something great like that. But until that time, Thank you all for joining us. Um, we are the Voice of Reason, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. You guys.